Welcome home, church family. Good morning to you. I'm glad you're here today. Let's go to the Father in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, may your name and your name alone be exalted. Not just in this place today with this people here today, God, but in all things. May the people that profess Jesus is Lord forever be intentional about exalting your name. And God, in exalting your name, then we acknowledge that we exalt your name above all idols and little g-gods and anything this world has to offer, including the things that we have given way to have preference in our lives. So God, this morning, convict us where we have a difficult time of exalting your name in the areas of our lives, be it our families, our work, our, our hobbies, our enjoyment, our entertainment, our whatever it is, God. Be exalted. And show us today the areas in our lives that you desire to be exalted even more than we're willing to give. Be glorified, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. I am glad to get to be with you here this morning. Uh, it is, it's an honor to continue to get to have church in the middle of a crazy time. And let me just stop for just a minute um, because uh, I'm excited uh, about today. Uh, one of our staff members has a birthday today, and his name is Mr. Terry Lay, and he's sitting right back there. And happy birthday, Mr. Terry. Mr. Terry is awesome. He takes a really, really good care of us around here. And when I say us, I'm not just talking about the staff. I mean all of us and making sure that everything is taken care of around here. And he does a great job. And I'm, I learn something from him every time I'm around him. So happy birthday, buddy. Y'all know he's 32 today. Isn't that amazing? He looks good. He looks good. Also, this week we're celebrating Miss, Miss Jenny Smith's two-year anniversary of being on staff with us. So if you see her a little bit later, just wish her a happy anniversary. It's a great Great time, great time. Last week, we talked about eternal investments. And we looked at the parable of the talents, and we're going to continue our conversation about eternal investments today. Um, But I want us to recognize, recognize and be humbled with what God has given us at Westmead Baptist Church. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what exactly has God given us? Uh, Well, let's, let's do a little, uh, let's take an inventory, shall we? We know that, uh, first of all, God has given us His Son. Uh, And through him we have salvation. And that's the greatest thing he's ever given us, church. I hope we're amen in that because that's something worth celebrating every single day. But what has God specifically given Westmead? Well, recently he has delivered us into being debt-free. He has uh, delivered us. He's given this beautiful facility for us to be able to do ministry, uh, to engage not just the lost, but to engage those who are in Christ through disciple-making Uh, We have an opportunity there. God is opening our 2021 budget for new opportunities for ministry because now that we're debt-free, it opens up and frees us up financially some areas that we can kind of pioneer and do some different things with ministry. God has done some great things. He has given us, he has blessed Westmead in so many ways. And in order for us to be a blessing back to God, then we take what he has given us We put it to work for the kingdom. We put it to work for the sake of the gospel. We put it to work for the name of Jesus to be exalted so that on that day we have something to give back to him and say, Father God, I have, as you were faithful to me, I have been faithful to serve you. And this is the idea of investing eternally, which is why last week we talked about the parable of talents because that's exactly what we saw in the three servants. Two of them took what was given to them by the master. They put it to work. 
And they didn't do it for their gain. They didn't do it to, to, to take anything home with them. They did it because they were able to come back to the master when he returned and said, this is what I have done with what you have given me, and, you can, and all of it belongs to you. And we're, took it, we're taking it and putting it on a scale of an internal investment. Church, y'all look around this room. Look around this room. The only thing that's going to last in eternity is the people sitting in here. That's the only thing that's going to last. That's the only thing that's going to matter. The only thing we can take with us are our friends and family and loved ones and people. And when we talk about what we invest in, when we talk about the greatest things we have, we look at people. Because that's the greatest thing God has given us. That's the greatest way God has blessed Westmead. It's the people that are here that we get to do ministry together. Eternal investments. Today I want us to look at the potential pitfalls and trip-ups for us as a church to be pursuing eternal investments, for us as a church to be moving forward and chasing after God, understanding, man, what we have been given, we want to turn around and use it for the kingdom, for eternal investments. But, but church, if we're talking about these things, I want us this morning to identify a, a couple of pitfalls and things that could hinder us from doing that. And of course, anytime we talk about anything that hinders or pitfalls, we have to talk about the war. So if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Context matters. So just to give you a little bit of context in Matthew chapter 6, this is the middle of the greatest sermon that was ever preached. It was called the Sermon on the Mount. Does anybody know who was preaching this sermon? Okay, wonderful. If you're not familiar, Jesus is preaching this sermon. And uh, it's an amazing sermon. It's a sermon where Jesus is teaching a, a captive audience about the many different earthly things that they that incorporated in their lives. But he's not just talking about those things. He's talking about those things, the many earthly things, and he's bringing them back around one heavenly thing, which is the glory of God lived out in the obedience of man. He's bringing it all back to that. Church, when we experience the goodness of the Lord, when we experience the goodness of what God has brought to us and brought us through and the things that he's done in our lives, we should all know that the enemy does not like that at all. So when we talk about these, these new opportunities that we have, when we talk about the goodness of God and, and what he's doing and how he's leading and how he's moving amongst Westmead people, we have to understand that there is going to be an adversary that is opposing you and I about moving forward in ministry because the last thing he wants us to do, he being the enemy, he does not want to see us to succeed. Now, what do we, how do we define success? Well, by succeed, I mean he doesn't want us to live biblical lives in obedience to the word of God. The enemy does not want you to live a biblical life in obedience to the word of God. So if you are in Christ and you're ready to take a stand against the enemy, then start just by being obedient to what God's word is calling us to do. And if the enemy wants to invade our church, if he wants to invade our church families, if he wants to get in and stir something up, and, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know the enemy really likes getting in churches and stirring stuff up. Y'all know that, right? He does. And if he's going to do that, then, then I think everybody who's ever been a member of a church knows by experience that one of the ways he likes to do stirring up of churches 
is by causing us to look at our stuff, air quotes, our stuff. It might be our money, it might be our what, our stuff. Well, he, he really likes coming after us on this. So I want us to look at this passage of scripture that Jesus was preaching on the Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 6 of Matthew, beginning in verse 19. Again, Jesus is speaking here. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In this chapter, Jesus is just spoken about our spiritual responsibilities Not optional, by the way. When Jesus talks about our spiritual responsibilities, those are not optional things that the believers, the church, gets to choose whether or not we're going to participate in it or not. Y'all understand this, right? Yes. These are spiritual responsibilities that Jesus is calling us to. Some of the things that he just got done talking about here is prayer. He got done talking about fasting. He got done talking about giving to the needy. These are spiritual responsibilities of the church. And then he kind of brings it all together. He brings it all down and, and comes and lands at the place of where our hearts lie. What's taking place in our hearts. Let me ask you a series of questions that I ask you not respond openly, uh, which is either audibly or by shaking your head or, or whatever. But let me just ask you a series of questions. And I want you to answer them in two ways in your, in your mind. I want you to answer these questions for you personally. And I want you to answer these questions If you're a member of Westmead, I want you to answer these questions in the context of your Westmead family. If you are not a member of Westmead, maybe you're a member of another church family, I want you to answer these questions in the context of your church family. Here's some questions for you. Do we set our affections on the things of this earth, or do we set our affections on the things in heaven? Personally, and as a church, answer Do we live for what this world can give us? Or do we live for a treasure that is awaiting us? Do we have a faith that demands us see the results in this life? Or do we live by a faith where we are content to never see the fruits until we are in the presence of God? I hope you're honest in answering those questions because ultimately I'm asking you this. Which storehouse will Westmead be building up? Which storehouse will Westmead be building up? And by Westmead, I'm talking about us collectively as a church, but I'm also talking about the individual members of Westmead Baptist Church. Which storehouse are we going to be building up? I want to to draw your attention to this passage. Uh, In this passage, as Jesus was teaching, and man, let me tell you, I'm going to say the most uh, underwhelming statement I may have ever said from this pulpit, and I've said quite a few. Uh, Jesus was a master at preaching, wasn't he? I mean, that's the biggest, like, slap your forehead, duh statement that's ever been said, right? Jesus was unbelievable at preaching. And what was so amazing about Jesus, uh, other than the fact that he's Jesus, which kind of sums up why it's so amazing that Jesus is preaching, he knew the heart of every person that he was preaching to. And I want us to look at the context of what he's talking, what he's, what he's communicating here. Uh, in this passage, Jesus, in my translation, talks about a moth, a vermin, and thieves. Moth, vermin, and thieves. The idea of what he's communicating here is that the measuring stick 
of the destination of our treasure is what can ultimately take that treasure away. So as he's talking about here, the first thing he talks about is is a moth. You know, in the times in which Jesus was preaching here, um, something that was of great value was purple cloth. Purple cloth. Purple came from a very, very uh, rare dye. So anybody that had purple clothing or purple uh, garments or anything that was purple, man, you look at that and say, man, that is expensive. Look around the room. Anybody here wearing purple? I don't know if I have anything purple. No? Good. No purple people. Wonderful. Uh, Purple was a big deal. Purple was a big deal. This is also why purple was a, a very common color associated with royalty back then. Uh, it wasn't that the purple dye or something, but it was just a symbol of wealth. It was a symbol uh, of great uh, um, financial gain so that these rulers would come in. They would be decked out in their purple cloth to show everybody how great wealth they had, how valuable they were. We see an axe. Uh, for those of you that when we studied Acts this past year and walked through it, you remember in Acts there was uh, a lady by the name of Lydia of Thyatira. Uh, and it says, the scriptures tell us in Acts that she was a very wealthy lady. And why was she a wealthy lady? Because she was a dealer in purple cloth. Um, purple cloth was of great value, great wealth back then. That if you owned something purple, man, that's what you, when you dressed for the nines, that's what you dressed up in is your purple. You could have a whole wardrobe of purple cloth and clothes and garments. And it takes one little, simple, meaningless moth to ruin the whole thing. One little moth can work through its way through an entire wardrobe of purple and destroy it. It doesn't take very much. He uses the word vermin here. You know, many of the people in Jesus's in audiences uh, in his time, you can see were farmers or at least affiliated with the farming industry back then. Um, very common thing for people to be farmers. And if they weren't farmers, they helped on a farm. They, they could connect with that. Jesus spoke a lot of times in the context of farming. Uh, so when he's talking about vermin here, I, I had to look it up because I've heard the word so many times, but I'm like, well, let's talk about a vermin. Vermin are considered rodents, insects, Wild animals, parasitic worms. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty specific. Parasitic worms, termites, and more. Some people would say certain cousins uh, would fit into the category of vermin. Well, that was a joke. <clears throat> Guess not funny one, but it's all good. Jesus spoke about uh, farming in his parable. So when he talks about vermin, he knows he's talking to a large group of farmers. And when you talk about farming, you're talking about a livelihood. You're talking about a local economy. You're talking about somebody's income. You're talking about their job, their profession. And when he talks about vermin, when we talk about um, rodents, insects, wild animals, parasitic worms, termites, man, when he mentioned that, y'all know these things can creep in and they can destroy crops in the boatloads. They can get inside a storehouse and eat up everything that you're counting on to feed your family for the next two weeks. Matter of fact, when it talks about vermin, it includes termites in there, which means the structures that you might have in place to protect these things, even the structures themselves can be destroyed from the inside out. Wild animals, disease, can wipe out livestock. And next thing you know, if you you have a vermin problem in your area, in your town, in your community, you wipe out an entire entire economy in an off-season. 
as much time and energy and effort that goes into building up your livelihood through farming, a few meaningless vermin can come in and take it all away just like that. And of course, you know, kind of a blanket statement for the rest of it, like today, just back then, there was a lot of people that put their confidence, that put their hope and their wealth and their finances. They had a, a mattress in the back room that they had a hole in. They stuffed their money or something like that. And there were people that had their treasures in wealth and money and things like that. And Jesus is kind of blanket statements with that. And he said, or you know what, a, a thief could come in and steal it all away. Y'all know something? I ain't got nothing for a thief, man. I ain't got nothing for a thief. I think for a human being to, to, to stoop to the place where they are stealing from someone else for their own joy and livelihood, uh, I understand that there are certain things when somebody doesn't have food or something like that, I guess I'd be willing to make an exception. But just to steal something from somebody else, man, that's just, come on, man, that's terrible. But when we look at what Jesus was talking about, these moth and vermin and thieves, these very small, insignificant things that can destroy a great wealth in a matter of no time, it's really not that different than today. Because what Jesus is pointing them to here is the same thing as what he's still pointing us to through his eternal, unfailing word. It's this, whatever treasure we have on this earth can be corrupted, can be destroyed, can be taken away very quickly, very easily. Matter of fact, any treasure we have on this earth, nothing is exempt from losing it. Nothing. You know, I've got, uh, I've got, uh, I've got something of value. Um, I've got a Michael Jordan rookie basketball card. Michael Jordan's rookie card. Uh, greatest basketball player of all time. And I can say that because, you know, in the next service, there's some younger people there that are going to get mad because I didn't say LeBron. It's Michael Jordan. I got a Michael Jordan. Now, I'm not going to tell you where I keep it um, because we're connected to the Internet. And uh, did I tell you I ain't got nothing for a thief? Uh, I ain't going to go and just detail to you where this is. This is a Michael Jordan rookie card. It is a greatly valued basketball card. Uh, I, I, I got it back in 1986. Uh, me and my dad, blah, 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 got it safe and secure. It's, it's, it's of great poor importance. You know, one day I'm hoping maybe I'll sell it and put my children through college or, or something. You know, I'll, I'll probably get rid of it at some point because it's not worth fighting over, you know, on that day comes. But, you know, it's extremely valuable. Do you know what else it is? Cardboard. It's cardboard. You know the funny thing about Cardboard. It's flammable. It bends really easily. You know, if, if a drop of moisture gets on that piece of cardboard, you know what happens? Ruins it. There are a number of things. If you expose it to too much light, eventually this card will fade. If any of these things come in contact with this Michael Jordan rookie card, its value bottoms out real, real, real quick. You know what I mean? It is of great value, but it doesn't take very much at all to completely take all of that value away and make it worthless. It's what God is pointing, it's what Jesus is pointing us to here. Whatever you're valuing, whatever you're putting your stock in, it doesn't take much. If it is found in this world, then it certainly doesn't take very much for this world to find out a way to devalue these things, to corrupt it, to destroy it. I want you to think about your treasure. 
What do you treasure? Maybe it's a basketball card. You know, the truth of the matter is, I think we can all agree on this thing. My greatest treasure on this earth is my family. It's my wife. It's my children. It's my greatest greatest treasure on this earth. And many of you, you're all the same way. Y'all know what I mean. But you know what? If that's where I'm putting all my treasure, if that's where my heart truly lies, then all it's going to take is for one bad decision for my children, run one crossword from my wife, my world comes collapsing down, doesn't it? If you think about it on a more detrimental scale, human beings are very fragile as well, aren't we? It doesn't take much to corrupt or destroy. My treasure is my family, but at the end of the day, even that's not guaranteed. Jesus is drawing his audience. Jesus is drawing us, his followers, to asking this question when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, which begs for us this morning to answer the question, where's your treasure? We might want to skip over the treasure and just just get straight to the heart of the matter and say, hey, where's your heart? What are you valuing? What are you pursuing? So many of us have walked away from this idea of treasure. And so many of us have walked away from this idea of laying it all down for the sake of the gospel to invest in something bigger than what we can physically and tangibly see and touch that we've gotten comfortable. That's why we haven't asked this question. That's why we don't even connect with this passage when Jesus says, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So many of us have just kind of gotten satisfied that we don't really get intimidated by this. And I'm not saying that God's word is to intimidate us. I'm saying God's word is to convict us and guide us and reform us into the, his image. But let us, let us be very cautious in how we approach this scripture. Let us be cautious in some of us how we may have already dismissed this message this morning. And let me remind you of something that, that was told to us in Hosea 13. You don't have to turn there, but in Hosea 13, God is speaking of the Israelites and he makes this statement. God says this, He says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. It's the word of God. God himself talks about the Israelites. When he gave them what they needed, when he made them, when he gave them the opportunity to be satisfied in what they could find on here on this earth, they became proud. And when they became proud, they felt that they no longer needed God. Maybe you're there this morning. That when we talk about the concept of where your treasure is, there your heart is also, you're thinking, man, I'm good. I got my family. I've got a steady job. I've got money in the bank. I've got this. I've got that. I've got everything in place. Everything's good. My retirement's set up and we're looking. I've got everything. So you're telling me your treasure's in those things. What are you investing in eternally because what you invest in ultimately you're going to get returns from my question is are we investing eternally Westmead are we content with what we can see and gather around us on this earth or are we storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven Westmead as we go through the rest of this year we're preparing to launch into getting ready for 2021 and and as we start putting some things, some measures into place to start practicing how we invest in the eternal, we as a church have to ask ourselves this question. We as a church, what does Westmead treasure? Where's Westmead's heart 
in this whole thing called ministry and following after Jesus. Remember, church, I want to point something out in this passage of Scripture. If you flip back to verse 19 in chapter 6, you got to understand something. It's not a sin to store up for yourselves. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but look what he says in verse 20. But store up for yourselves. It's not a sin to store up for yourselves as long as the reason and the purpose and the destination of what you're storing up for is glorifying God. Let me make sure y'all hear me say that again. I saw I caught a couple of glances that were like, oh my goodness, what did he just say? Jesus just said it's not a sin to store up for yourselves. It's a sin to store up for yourselves treasures on earth. But Jesus is commanding us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Y'all understand the difference there. It's the focus of our heart. It's the intention of why we do what we do. It's the reflection of the identity of who we are. Is what storehouse we're trying to fill up. Is it the one that meets at 2030 Beltline? Is this Driver Avenue? I've never figured that out. Y'all haven't either. Good. Are we 2030 Beltline? Are we trying to figure out how good we can make this place look? Or are we focused on something that we will never see this side of eternity? Where's Westmead's heart? And just for the record, Westmead's heart will be a reflection of the collective body of believers that congregate at Westmead's heart. So don't think that, well, you know what, I can still chase after what I want and the church is going to be just fine investing in the eternal. But, man, I really got to get my 401k lot. If one of us, our heart is investing in something else, then it's going to affect all of us. This picture of the investing in the eternal. God gives us what we have. God gives us what we have to use for his glory. To use for his glory in building up his kingdom and communicating the gospel. God gives us what we have to use for his glory in building his kingdom and spreading the gospel. That's what Westmead has to land on together. I told you about the enemy doesn't like to see us succeed. Y'all remember me mentioning that? Here in the next few months, when we start putting these numbers together, we're going to have a couple of meetings church-wide just for us to explain to you and walk to you kind of where we're headed in 2021 because it's going to look a lot different than we've ever had it been able to look before. And you know, you know what we're going to be in the temptation of falling into? Walking into that meeting with a corrupted heart of what are we going to get out of it? What can we put around us to make us happy? Now understand this. There are some investments that we need to make to our physical facilities here. We got to get things fixed. We got to get things repaired. You know, the real, realistically, we got to get things up until like the, at least past the year 2000 in some of our areas. That also was a joke. Feel free not to laugh. We got to do some updating around here. We've got to get some things back up to stuff. Why? Not so that we can be more comfortable coming in here and gathering, but so that the people that walk into these doors that have never, ever walked into a church can say, hey, I kind of feel comfortable. I kind of feel at home here. Whatever we need to do to invest in, in our facilities needs to be for the purpose of reaching the lost and discipling those who are in Christ. But to think bigger in the sense of, well, how can we invest outside the walls of these church? Man, it's going to be real easy for us to walk in here with a couple of, of single-minded focus about, well, well, what do we got? Look at our stuff. 
look at all our stuff. And now what does the enemy like to do? When he stirs up a church, he wants to point them to look at our stuff. He doesn't want us to look at the eternal investment that God's called us to. He doesn't want us to pursue Jesus. But God knows because of what he's given us with, with the talents that he has given by the people he's blessed this church with, that if we use it for his glory, then we know the unrivaled power of God will unleash on this area to rebuild the hearts of men, women, children, students, families for his kingdom and glory. And if that's not what Westmead's about, then I'll hand my letter of resignation in right now. But that is what we have to be focused on in terms of internal investments. Not what I want, but what can we do to bring God glory in the days that he's called us before. But it starts, church, not when we start having business meetings, not when we present a budget. It starts right now in the heart of every believer. For if we choose now, then on that day it won't be a decision. We'll already be all in for what God is leading this church to become. For what God is leading me as an individual believer. What God is leading you if you profess Jesus as an individual believer to go and reflect the eternal investment that you're pouring your heart into. That we're content with not ever seeing the fruits. We're content with not ever seeing the results on this side of glory. But one day, when we stand before the Father, we see exactly what God used it for by using us and our obedience for his kingdom come. That is what Jesus is pointing them to here. That's what Jesus is pointing us to now. It's not dependent on a budget. It's not dependent on a vote. It's dependent on you and me. What are we going to do about it on August the 23rd, 2020, that we start investing in an eternal kingdom that will forever reign? You may not get to see the benefits. You may not get to see the rewards that come from it. But where are you investing your treasure? Where are you investing your treasure? Because Jesus just told us where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. We profess Jesus as Lord. Then it's time to go and store up for ourselves treasures in heaven by investing in the eternal. Realistically, it should come as no surprise that if you drop down a few verses later in Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus makes this statement. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Church family, there is an eternal kingdom that we are called to build through our obedience and our love for Jesus Christ. I don't know how to build it. I only know with the part that God's given me. But I'm ready for the church that calls themselves Westmead to lock arms and go shoulder to shoulder and say, God, wherever you lead us, we go. Whatever you call us to, we invest. So that when we stand together and we sing a song that says, Father, we exalt your name, that means we exalt your name above every treasure this world is offering us. It's rubbish compared to the kingdom that we're called to build. 
So I ask you today, Westmead, which storehouse are you putting your treasures in right now? Where's your heart? What are you building up? Is it for the kingdom of God? Or is it for your comfort and glory? There's nothing wrong with, with investments. There's nothing wrong with taking care of, of what's taking place. But when it consumes our lives, when it becomes our only purpose and drive, when our treasure is separate than what God has created us for, we've got to get back to the place where we put ourselves humbly before our creator and say, God, fix my heart so that I can invest in your kingdom, not mine. You bow with me. Westmead, my prayer for you this morning as we come to a time of invitation is that we are honest with God on an individual level. I use the term Westmead a lot because it matters what we do as a church family together, but it matters more importantly what we're doing individually when we're not gathered together. And this morning, I invite you, I ask that you go to the, whole, to the Father through the Holy Spirit and say, God, show me where my treasure is. Look, there's nothing wrong with your treasure being your family and, and your friends. My question is, are you using that treasure for the glory of God? Mom, Dad, you have a child. Are you investing the eternal in them so that they can grow up and do the same? And it doesn't matter. Even if your children are grown up, there's still an opportunity to invest the eternal in them by sharing with them the truth of Jesus' love for them. Are you pursuing them that way? we stopped God has given you the treasures that you have for his glory are you using them for that and if not would you let God lead you today convict you today so that he could get glory for what he's already done in your life Heavenly Father we got a long way to go. But it's got to start with the first step. So God, this morning, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you convict us. That you pull back the curtain of our own self-consciousness, God, and, and you reveal to us the truth of where our hearts lie. God, if there are people in this room that profess Jesus as Lord, but yet we're too busy trying to create this cushy life for ourselves, remind us of how temporal this life is compared to the eternity that awaits. God, show us the value of investing eternally. God, the truth is, with this many people gathered, there's a very, very strong possibility that there is somebody here today that does not know you as Lord. They may not even know you as Savior. And God, this morning, would you unveil their hearts to recognize their need for forgiveness. For where we have offended a holy God. Where our imperfections have separated us from a perfect God. They would realize your love for them. 
and they would come seeking forgiveness from you so that they can be loved by you the way they were meant to be. In the next few minutes, our our staff is available on each side of the platform. They would love to pray with you. They would love to just walk you uh, out of this room and just in the back room, just pray for you, pray with you, listen to you. If you have questions about what does it mean to be saved, they, they would love to have that conversation with you. And I encourage you when we stand and sing in just a minute to just move out of your, your pew and just come down and meet with one of them. Maybe God's calling you to something different. Maybe God's calling you to repentance where you've been chasing after your kingdom for too long. Maybe it's time just to get your heart back with the one who made it. Whatever it is, an invitation is a time for us to respond to God's word. And I pray this morning we would do so out of obedience for what he's calling us to be. So God, lead us, guide us, be glorified in our response. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?
church family. It's good to see you guys. Hope you've had a good weekend. It's not over yet. You got the rest of today. Uh, but thank you for being with us on your way out. Uh, there's a chair. There's a little bucket in the chair. If you'd like to put your tithes and offerings in there, uh, please do so. Our, our ushers will get it taken care of from there. One thing I want to point you to, um, coming up in September, uh, there is going to be a Bible study uh, that Kim Vernetti is going to be leading called How to Study Your Bible. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you can t- contact Kim. Uh, some things happening to be starting up the Monday after Labor Day. Uh, so that's coming up. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's good to see you. Hope you have a great rest of the day.